right, good morning, everybody. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I am watching the clock today because I ain't going to have all them daggers looking my way knowing that that dinner's all waiting out to Cornwell's. Easy. Yeah, I know what day it is. It's Cornwell Turkey Day. Immediately following the assembly for all those who like to go. <clears throat> Okay, all right. Today, uh, I would like to share some basic things because I, I really am kind of excited. We have a real opportunity here. We've already kind of mentioned a little bit. Jeff and I are going to be leaving for Ukraine for two weeks and Kosovo for a week. Um, and what's exciting about this is I feel like we have almost a, a plain sheet of paper, plain white sheet of paper before us. Um, we got some information. I don't remember. I guess we were we were still overseas. We were in uh, Vietnam, and we got a request from Ukraine. Slava said they have got people coming like crazy now. You know, I was down there in that area, Nicopole, and drug rehab area. I think we even got some pictures. Before the war, then uh, it was before COVID. You know, COVID hit, nobody went anywhere. Now they got a war, and it's been difficult, too, to go there. But they got people coming, Slava says, and a lot of them are not converted. They're just scared. You know, and they're coming to the church. He sends pictures. Oleg sends me pictures. Slava's baptizing people like crazy. He said, can you come here and help? I mean, if that ain't a Macedonian call, I don't know what one would look like. Come over here and help us. So we told him, yeah. And he's got this. We're going to do a two-day seminar. Uh, we got to get there. We'll do something that night probably. Then two days... Uh, Nothing but Bible study. Two solid days. And then boogie out of there, head back toward the north. Now, with Kosovo, I can't believe what's going on there. You know, we talk about Avni. Avni's been here before. In fact, he spoke there, but he told what happened to him in the Serbian prison. Very interesting. This guy's tough. But... They've got Muslims now standing up and renouncing Islam in Kosovo. He said like a thousand, over a thousand. And these are former KLA fighters and former political prisoners. And what they're saying is they don't want no more religion, but they do want truth. Avni said they actually want New Testament Christianity because they have Orthodox. That's who raped them and killed them and buried them alive and burned all their homes 19... 99 what he, what people there say were christians but they were what they call orthodox they they don't want that but they do want to know god i go man i that is something else so anyway we're going to go from ukraine to spend a week with abni and his sons and this new work they got going on in kosovo this is amazing i i see the lord is moving now in Let's get to some scriptures here. Because when I said a clean slate, a pure white piece of paper, 
Obviously, for the Muslims, they're not going to hardly know much of this basics of Christianity, and that's what they want to know. Okay, so you don't have to deal with a whole bunch of wrong ideas except from whatever they got, you know, in their culture as far as Islam is concerned. And, uh, but same with Ukrainians. You know, normally they're Orthodox culturally, the former Soviet Union, that's what Ukraine is, or Belarus, was all Orthodox, okay? And that's just more of a big state church kind of a thing. And, uh, but there's no hope in that power. There's no life change taught. There's no good news taught in that. It's, you go to Orthodox church over there, you don't even have chairs in there. At least you ain't going to fall asleep. You'll fall on the floor. You have to stand up. Listen to some dude with black robes swinging an incense burner and chanting in Latin or something. And you can light candles to icons. Is that going to give you any hope when you're really struggling with life? No. So, but people are coming, Slava says, and they could sure use some help. It's going to be a little Spartan down there. He said the Russians blew their dam. They don't have no water. Their reservoir is a mud hole. Uh, They've lost 4,000 buildings, uh, so it's been hard on them. Jesus said there would be times like that, wars, rumors of wars, the earthquakes, the pandemics, the famines, and so it is. Right before, right before Jesus ascended, he gave the Great Commission, all authority, verse 18, Matthew 28 and 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore... Make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. This is what he says I want done. Go to the nations, make disciples, immerse them, and then teach them to observe everything that I've said to you. That is pure and simple, straight-up Christianity. That, th- that great commission is still in effect right now. So when we go, all we're taking with us is this. Period. This is what we're taking. Not traditions of men, not other philosophies or other ideas, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. All they're going to get from us is the pure, unadulterated word of God book, chapter, verse, line upon line, precept upon precept, out of the mouth of two or three Bible witnesses. Bible witnesses, every word will be confirmed, is what the scripture says. That's all they're getting. That's all they need. In fact, that's all they want. They don't want Orthodox no more. They don't want Islam. They don't want anything else but the pure word of God. That is our responsibility, all of us. Because that's all God is interested in. Jesus said, you make void the word of God with your traditions. With your traditions. When Nina Balbutsky was asking me, why does the priest do this? Why does the priest do this? Why does the priest do this? I kept telling her, well, Nina, I'm, I'm not sure why he does this or that. Because she was orthodox all her life. Go there with her mama and take her mama. But boy, she liked the Bible study, so we Bible study. But she always asked me, why does the priest do this? Why does the priest do that? Finally, I said, Oleg, 
Tell Nina, as she reads her Bible, key, that is a key thing. Her Bible's so full of squiggy, squiggies and, and, and what do you call sticky notes and all that jazz. I thought, good, this is good. I said, Nina, I said, Oleg, tell her, take her Bible. I want her to go to Acts chapter 2. I said, get Acts chapter 2. Not Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Don't get the Old Testament. You don't need that right now. Acts chapter 2 is when the church began, according to the scripture. You can get that right there. Acts chapter 2. Go all the way and stop just short of the maps. Right short of the maps. Go to the book of Revelation. I said, and get it just like this, Nina. Squish it between your two fingers, your thumb and your forefinger. Hold it right there, Nina. And she got that, and I said, okay, I see you read all that. I see you got crumbs in there, coffee stains, and you got your sticky notes. I said, that's good, that's good. I said, Nina, now, have you ever seen in your Bible, when you read your Bible, what you see down there at that church? And all its liturgy, all this performance, all this, that, and, and what they do, and lighting the icons, and blah, blah, blah. Do you see that in these pages, Nina, right here? She looked at me, she hung her head, and looked back up, and shook her head no. I said, Nina, that's why it's so hard for me to answer your questions. You keep asking me, why do they do that? I said, Nina, it's not in the Bible. I have no idea. Jesus said you make void the word of God with your traditions. Now, some principles of Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1 tells us, in 1 Peter chapter 1... Uh, bless you. <laughs> Normally I don't say that, but it sounds like you needed that one. <laughs> in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter says to the Christians, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and 22, since you have purified your souls, purified the soul, that sounds important, in obeying the truth. Obey? Obey. Man, that's nana anathema in so many circles today. Obey? Since you have purified your soul in obeying what? The truth. This is the truth. Jesus said, John 17 and 17, Thy word is truth. Through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another with a pure heart fervently. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, through what? The word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, the glory of man is like the flower of the grass, the grass withers, the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel is preached. You go ye in all the world and preach the gospel, which is the truth, which is the pure, unadulterated word of God. Read the parable of the sower. The seed is the word of God, Jesus said. Not corrupted seed but of incorruptible seed by the word of God. Now in 2 Timothy 2, uh, starting in chapter 4 here, 2 Timothy 2, sorry, I keep saying it wrong. 2 Timothy <laughs> chapter 4. Verse 2, preach the word. What, the incorruptible word. 
The incorruptible seed, the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. Why? Why, Paul? For the time is coming when they won't endure the sound doctrine, the sound teaching, but according to their own desires. Because they got itchy ears, they'll heap to themselves teachers. They'll turn their ears away from truth, and they'll be turned aside to fables. Can you be saved in fables? That sounds like corrupted seed to me. Remember what Jesus said? A corrupt tree can't bring forth good fruit. Can't do it. And a good tree can't bear corrupt fruit. It brings forth good fruit. Good tree, good fruit. Corrupt tree, bad fruit. It's the principle of the law of the harvest. The law of the harvest. And that law will not be broken. And Jesus said scripture can't be broken. Because why? It's the truth. It make any sense if people say, well, the Bible is all full of contradictions and blah, blah, blah. Really? How can it be called the truth and full of contradictions? That's a contradiction. <clears throat> Principle, we're supposed to preach the word. Don't be like those with itchy ears, he said. That's what people do. They'll find somebody tell them what they want to hear. Turn from truth to fables. Deuteronomy chapter 4 is a principle. Everyone should know these things. You know, when we actually, the way this is supposed to be done, and I didn't want to start there today, you need to prove the Bible is the Word of God, and you can do that. You can prove by the things that are made, by this creation. <laughs> this didn't have it by itself. You can prove that it's the word of God, and you need to do that first. But building on the teaching now, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, he says, You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I have commanded you. If you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 12, and look right there in verse 32... Deuteronomy 12 and 32. Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it, God said. You shall not add to it or take away from it. What happens if you take away from God's word? Wonder if you add to God's word. You're introducing leaven into the lump. You remember in Matthew chapter 16 and chapter 14, he fed 5,000. In chapter 15 of Matthew... He fed 4,000. You know, the first time they had 12 baskets left over, fragments, then they had seven. But then they head out in Matthew 16, and guess what? They forgot the bread. They forgot the bread. And Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the teaching of the Pharisees. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. So they're getting thinking, we forgot the bread. John, you were supposed to get... No, I got the bread last time. You were supposed to get the bread. No, you... I've got the... No, Jesus goes, what are you talking about bread for? How many baskets you have left over when we fed 5,000? We got it, Lord. 12. Got it. And how many after feeding the 4,000? Seven. Seven. We're on it. He said, and why do you think I'm talking about bread? Easy. Then it dawned on them... He's talking about the teaching of the Pharisees because there's enough corruption in there. Look, not everything you hear out there is wrong. It is not all wrong. 
if you go back and read what the devil said to Eve, 90% of what Eve, the devil told Eve in the garden was true. But there was enough spin, enough spin to corrupt the whole thing. How'd that turn out? Right. I think we just took communion, body and the blood of the Son of God that had to go through all that. That was a big price to pay for that, wasn't it? Your soul. Oh, Peter said, but now you've purified your soul. You had never been able to do that. Not on your own. Sin is deadly, man. He put enough spin on there. I mean, did God know that was going to happen? Of course he did. But the point is, not everything you hear out there is wrong. Well, how do you know what is true and which is tradition? How do you know what is leaven? The standard, the Bible says, is the word of God. So if somebody tells you something, you know, and you go, where's that in the Bible? It's in there. No, but specifically, can you give me a book, that, you know, where it's at? It's in there. I mean, you, you. I had a lady tell me one time, I just got done spending 45 minutes giving her book chapter verse, book chapter, chapter verse, and she piped up with some stuff that made no sense. I go, where's that in the Bible? She goes, it's in there. I said, yeah, but can you give me a, like a book chapter verse where I might find that? It's in there. So then she says to me, if, if you keep reading, she said, you'll find it. <laughs> I'm sitting here giving her a book chapter verse for everything I'm claiming to be in scriptures. I'm showing it right to her. She offers me nothing and tells me that if I keep reading, I'll find it. That's not exactly how that's supposed to work. We do not add to, we don't take away. In fact, that's how this book ends. In Revelations chapter 22, at the very last, very closing words of the Lord, in Revelation 22, in verse 18, For I testify to everyone who hear the words of the prophecies of this book, anyone add to these things, God will take, uh, or add, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. If anyone take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part out of the book of life from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So a principle of the scripture is don't add to it. Don't take away. I've said before, if you're in the museum, you see the Mona Lisa, you're looking at it. Wow, it's looking a little faded, you know. That, you know, getting a little faded there, and you get your paint by the numbers set out. Keep your hands off that thing. That pa painting is priceless just the way it is. I'm thinking of Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30, another principle here. It says that the word of God is pure. <clears throat> if I can turn myself to it here. Verse 5, Proverbs 30 and 5. Every word of God is pure, and he's a shield to put their trust in him. Do not add to his words lest he rebuke you, and you be found a liar. We are called in 2 Timothy 2 and 15 to study to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen that need not be ashamed and rightly dividing the word of truth. That's our job. That's why you have to be in it and reading it. Man does not live by bread only, Matthew 4 and 4, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's pure. It's pure. Don't add to it.
Don't take anything away from it. Jesus said, you've got to be born again. Want to go to heaven? Big John 3. He said, you've got to be born again of water and spirit. Now, when he told that to Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews, he had no idea what Jesus was talking about. How can this be? Can a man be born when he's old? That didn't make much sense. Jesus told him he had to be born of water and spirit in order to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 5, John 3 and 5, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes Hear the sound of it, can't tell where it come from, can't tell where it's going. So is everyone born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said, how can this be? The apostles would explain it. But he's talking about born again, of water and spirit. I shared before, Matt Hartford knows all about all this English rules, a whole lot more than I do. Matt said, and you can check it out because you know more about it than I do, water and spirit is not two separate events. That's a single verb tense. It's one event. The water and spirit of John 3 is one event. It's not two separate events. And this is going to be important in a few minutes. Jesus said, now you can't go wrong when somebody wants to know what they got to do to be saved. And that's what we're going to look at. What does the scripture actually say? People ask that question flat out. Men and brethren, what should we do? The jailer said, what must I do to be saved? Well, that's pretty direct. That's a good question. Don't you think they deserve a biblical answer? Or do you want to give them some made up uh, prayer thing you know some sinners prayer of what they can do why not just quote the scripture to them I'll tell you a little story about that here we go Jesus said I'm going to Luke 24 here's what Jesus wanted done in his name beginning at Jerusalem now remember this is the stuff we're going to share with these new folks on a blank white sheet of paper this is an awesome responsibility that each and every one of us are going to get the opportunity. You don't have to go overseas to do this. I mean, you get that. It, it's right here in your own backyard. Right in our own backyard. This is what you do with everybody. This is what we need to do. In Luke chapter 24, when Jesus resurrected from the dead, and uh, he was out of the tomb, and men from Emmaus saw him, and he opened their eyes, and they realized it was him. He appeared later before the twelve behind closed doors. Uh, Verse 44, they were scared and everything, but verse 44, Luke 24 and 44, Jesus said, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which are written in the law of Moses, prophets, psalms concerning me, Old Testament, don't add to, don't take away, all this information in the Old Testament. Then he opened their understanding. He said, I was telling you this when I was with you, but they didn't know what he was talking about. Well, now, whom he opens their understanding that they might understand the scripture. And it's like, wow. They realize that's what he was trying to tell us. 
Thus it's written that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day, and that what repentance and remission of sins, forgiveness of sins, should be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. This is, the, this is what he said right before he left. This is what I want done. This is the message you take. I want repentance and forgiveness of sins preached in my name beginning at Jerusalem. Well, it tells us in Acts chapter 1, they were all gathered in Jerusalem and they were waiting for the promise. He said they would receive. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, he said. And it did. You know this. Acts chapter 2, all of a sudden they're here at Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, Dave Pentecost had fully come. They're all with one accord in one place. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven, like a rushing mighty wind, filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they, they appeared to them, divided tongues of fire. They began to speak in the languages of all these people that were gathered there. And the people are amazed, going, what's going on? And because they didn't understand, they go, these guys are drunk, man. Peter said, he drunk. It's only the third hour of the day. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he started quoting Joel. He said, this was what David was talking about, the patriarch David. Wow. You know, he's unpackaging the Old Testament scripture to him. And then he brings it around and convicts them of what they just did. This God, Jesus, had raised him up. We're witnesses, verse 32. You killed him. Verse 36, let all the house of Israel know assuredly God made this here Jesus, who you crucified, by the way, made him Lord in Christ. Now, when they heard this, it said they were cut right to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what should we do? Peter said, well, let's say this prayer together. Peter said, repent. Why did he say that? Because Jesus said, I want repentance and forgiveness of sins preached in my name beginning at Jerusalem. I got nothing else to say to people than what he said to say. So Peter said, repent. And let every one of you be baptized, immersed in the name of Jesus Christ. For what reason? The forgiveness of your sins. I want repentance and forgiveness of sins preached in my name, beginning at Jerusalem. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. He told the woman at the well in John 4, be a well springing up in you into everlasting life. That's what they need to hear. They are People all over this world are hurting bad, man. They are suffering. Like the guys in Kosovo said, we don't want no more religion. But they do want to know what God wants them to do. Avni's telling me this stuff. I can't. I go, you're kidding. He said, he called me Stevie. He said, Brother Stevie, you wouldn't believe it. I said, I don't, man. I said, I want to see this. With many other words, Peter exhorted them, testified, saying, Be saved. Now watch what he's saying. Words mean something, by the way. They ask, what should we do? These people are under conviction. They're scared to death. 
He just unpackaged the Old Testament to them. They know what just happened, current events. They all know exactly what happened to Jesus of Nazareth, how they stood there crying out by orders of their uh, religious leadership, don't ask for Barab- or Jesus, uh, ask for Barabbas. Pilate said, who should I turn over to you? This here Jesus called the Christ or Barabbas? Give us Barabbas. Give us a murderer. What? What shall I do with your king? Crucify him. Crucify him. I shall crucify your king. We have no king but Caesar. They were there. They did that. Man, when they saw what was going on, they're, now they're scared. Man and brother, what should we do? Peace and repent, be immersed, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sin. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. With many other, well, are they saved? They're under conviction. Well, I guess they believe they must be saved. Peter said, what are you standing there looking at me for? Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word was immersed. And that day, 3,000 souls were added. Verse 47 said, Praising God, having favor with all the people, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. You don't join the Lord's church. When you obey the terms of pardon, he, he adds you, because guess what? He's got the pen. Actually, it's a pencil with an eraser too, by the way. He puts your name in the book of life. He registers your name in heaven. Because that's the book gets opened in the judgment. You judge out the things written in the books. Bible called the book of books. 66 books. And then it says another book is open to see if your name is in the Lamb's book of life. We didn't read there in the, Re- in the Revelation. You add to or take away. He said, I'll take your name right out of the book of life. That's why I said that's a pencil. It has a racer on it. There's other places said that too. But got to keep moving. We got a dinner to go to. We gotta stay focused, Dode. He said, so be saved. Well then those who gladly heard his word, do you think three thousand people misunderstood him? Easy. I don't think so. Acts ten. Now these are Jews first added. Ten years later, guess who's coming? Gentiles. Peter sent God sent Peter to Gentiles. He would be the first one to preach the gospel because back in uh, Matthew 16, Jesus gave Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Because the rock, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, you are Peter, and upon this rock, this confession that I'm the, the Christ, the son of the living God, I will build my church on that foundation. And that's what you see the, the Ethiopian responded to. He believed that Jesus Christ was the son of God. That's the rock, is the confession. So, we see in Acts chapter 10, there was a Gentile, he was a Roman centurion, up there in Caesarea, and he, check this guy's credentials out, man, check this guy's credentials. There's verse 1, Acts 10 and 1, there's a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, he's a centurion of what is called the Italian regiment. Okay, check him out, dude's devout. He's a Gentile, but he's devout, and one who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to all the people, God's people. He's a Gentile, a centurion, given gifts and alms to these Jews. 
About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God coming in saying, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid. And he said, what is it, Lord? He said, your prayers and your alms have come up for memorial before God. Is this guy saved? Woo! Yeah, I guess. I mean, come on, devout? Fears God with all his household, gives generously to God's people, prays to God all the time to where, I mean, his prayers floated right up into the throne room of Almighty God to where God sent an angel right to his house. I don't think you'd get more saved than that, could you? But if you keep reading, what does the scripture say? He told me, you got to send men down to Joppa to get this here Simon Peter guy. He's at the house of one Simon the Tanner, and he'll come up here, the angel told him, and he'll tell you how to get saved. Do you know it's two days down to Joppa from Caesarea where he's at? He has to get those guys, or they have to get Peter, and they got to come back. That's four days. Now, when he told them, he's going to tell you words by which you can be saved. The context is clear. Cornelius is not saved, but guess what? God wants him saved, but God ain't going to zap him and save him. He's going to send Peter with his keys down there to tell this guy what he needs to do. And so Cornelius listened because he said, here we are. We're all waiting for you, waiting for you to come. Suppose you got something to say to me. And Peter, Peter unpackaged them scriptures. Next thing you see, a sign from God comes, outpouring of the Holy Spirit that Peter would say, hey, what happened to us 11 years ago? Happened in Cornelius' household, and they were all baptized. Then Peter said, can anybody forbid water? They was immersed. Cornelius had to obey. He had to hear, he had to believe, he had to obey. And he was good to go. Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul, I'm just turning to Acts chapter 22. I'm just giving you a few examples. Acts chapter 22. Acts chapter 22. He's blind on the road to Damascus. He gives his testimony what happened. Uh... He said, I was on the road, man, and all of a sudden, man, there was a bright light from heaven. Acts chapter 22, you can happen, or, or read around verse 6 there. Uh, suddenly this bright light was shining. I fell to the ground. Saul, Saul, why you persecute me? So I answered, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Could he possibly have missed that now? I misunderstood. Here's my point. What should I do, Lord? Rise, go to Damascus, wait there, it'll be told what's appointed for you to do. It tells us he's three days in darkness. Is that guy a believer? You betcha. What would you be? On the road and all of a sudden a light blinding you brighter than the sun? And you can't even see? Now you're blind and a voice telling you, why are you persecuting me? Well, who are you? Lord. He had sense enough to call him Lord. He said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. Do you think he knew who that was? That's what he was doing. He's on the road to get these followers of Jesus of Nazareth so he could throw them in prison. That's what he's doing. 
So is this man now under conviction that Jesus is Lord? I guess so. Is he saved? No. No. According to the scripture. How do we know that? God, or the Lord sends Ananias in there. So he goes in, and verse 13 says to him, Brother Saul, receive your sight. His eyes open. The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men for what you've seen and heard. Now why are you waiting? Arise, be baptized, and wash away your what? Sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Whoa, 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 whoa. He's been through all that and he's still in his sin. You know what? I've heard a lot of liberal teaching out there through the years. You probably have too. But I have yet, at least so far, I've never heard anybody say that they believe you can be saved while you are still dead and in your trespasses and sin at the same time. I've never even heard anybody try to make that connection. Never. It is impossible for you to be alive unto God, saved, redeemed, forgiven, and dead in your trespasses and sins at the same time. Words have meaning. Ananias is telling him, after all he's been through, and he certainly is under conviction that Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ. No doubt about that. He's told by Ananias, he has a mission for you, so get ready. So why do you wait? Why, what are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sin. Calling on the name of the Lord. That's where Peter said, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. I'm not going over there. Jeff and I are not going over to tell people to accept Jesus in their heart as their personal Savior and say some made-up prayer. I told you this. I went to the Graham website and looked at his stuff. Right on the front is the sinner prayer. I told you I counted. You do it. Count how many words are in that prayer. Oh, man, is it religious. Man, it's good. Oh, God, forgive me. I'm thankful for Jesus. Boo, boo, boo. I'm, you know, I don't know what it all said. It was like 70-some words. When I went and looked at Acts 2.38, when them Jews said to Peter, men and brother, what should we do? And Peter said unto them, I didn't include that, it's four words. Repent, be immersed in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's like 33, 34, count them. You count them. So if somebody's going to ask me what they need to do to be saved, why not say, well, you could pray something like this. And put a bunch of flowery religious words out there. Didn't include repentance. Didn't include remission of sins. Didn't none of it. Do you realize John three sixteen is not in contradiction with Acts two thirty eight? They're saying the same thing. John three sixteen. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, who so believe in Him, not perish, but have everlasting life. The problem is, is what people want to tell you what believe in Him means. I've been there. You've been there. I've had people say, well, I believe in God. Oh, do you? Believe what exactly? You know, God. No, I get that. 
But what do you mean when you say believe in God? Exist? Ah, congratulations. The demons believe and they tremble. You have demonic faith. John 3, 16, whosoever believeth in him. Hey, how many people in here believe, and I'm being political here, I'm just making, that Joe Biden is the president of the United States? I believe that. I believe Joe Biden is the president of the United States. I think you do too. In fact, people all over the world believe that Joe Biden is the president of the United States. Great. How many of you believe in Joe Biden? Election's coming up. You're going to get your chance. There's a big difference in believing he exists and voting for the dude. That's not that complicated. John 3.16 includes repentance. That's what believe it is him. And him, Jesus said, except you repent, you're going to perish. Confess, except you confess me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. Faithful living unto death to receive a crown of life. It's all there, baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel there, buddy. He who believes it and is baptized will be saved. That John 3, uh, whatever we looked at there back in the John 3, where he's talking about born again, water and spirit. Born again, we're born of. That's a single verb tense. The water and the spirit happened at the same time. That's what Acts 2.38 tells you. Repent and be baptized, water, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the same event. It's connected, same, single verb tense. I saw this one time. It's called, it was called, I don't get paper no more, two, whatever. It was called the religious mailbag. A person could write in a question if they had a problem, and some preacher would respond to the question in the paper, Battle Creek paper. And this is a no-kidder. This is exactly what the guy said. What must I do to be saved? That's what he wrote to the thing. Well, somebody had the response, so some preacher got on there and responded, and he gave a biblical response that meant nothing. Uh, in Romans 10... Verse 9, this is what he told the guy. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Awesome. How do I do that? There was nothing else. That was it. Again, I don't know English language very well, but for is a function word leading to the purpose. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For, oh, for, with the heart one believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For, see the conversation ain't done yet? Don't take off too soon? For the scripture said, whoever believe in him will not be put to shame. For, not done. There's no distinction between Jew and Gentile. Same Lord over all, rich to all who call upon him. For, okay, who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Man, there's a lot of stuff in there. But then I love how the Holy Spirit put the next verse in there. Look at that very next verse. After all these things about believing in the heart, confessing with the mouth, and uh, call whoever calls on the name of the Lord... 
But verse 14. Uh, well, how are they going to call on him whom they've not believed? Well, that's a good question. Yeah, how are you going to do that? You don't even know what they're talking about. Well, but, but how are, you, are they going to believe on him whom they've not heard? Clean slate, I said, pure white paper. And how are they going to hear without a preacher? Just put teacher in there, somebody that knows what they're talking about. Doesn't have to be somebody standing up here like I am. And how are they going to preach unless they're sent? Go ye into all the world. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Oh, but they've not all obeyed the gospel. Peter said, you purified your soul in obeying the truth. Man, that is a four-letter word, maybe six in this case. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Obey, obey. I thought I'd just believe in my heart. I uh, just believe in my heart obey they have not obeyed the gospel for Isaiah said Lord who believed our report so then faith comes by hearing and hearing what the word of God you see that's why I said we're going to go over there and this is what we're going to take this is the word of God scripture that cannot be broken it is the truth people when they're obedient to what he said to do I want repentance and forgiveness of sins preached in my name when you write in this religious mail bag or whatever it was I am going to say amen to Romans 10 and 9 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart yeah, amen I'm not going to say that ain't a true statement except it tells you nothing it's not done yet because how to give him the whole counsel of God. He said, I want repentance, forgiveness, sins, preach my name. Do you see repentance, forgiveness in there? Well, you're going to see repentance and forgiveness of sins when you, find, when you look into the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That means you'll go over Acts 2.38, John 3.16, uh, uh, Acts 22.16. Uh, Jesus said, I want repentance because that's all in the word of God. They'll get it. They'll get it. Maybe I'll give you one more. I know I'm going to be done or I will be done. I'm just turning real quick. Do you remember what happened when Philip was dispatched down there to, to Gaza, which is desert? Here comes this Ethiopian man in a chariot. And he's reading out of the prophecy of Isaiah and doesn't understand it. It's right out of Isaiah 53. You guys know that, you know, Jesus, this... Man led by a sheep to the slaughter like a lamb before his shear is silent, open out his mouth, blah, 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 you know. So the, the Ethiopian says to Philip in verse 34, in Acts 8 and 34, the eunuch answered Philip, I ask you, whom is this prophet talking about, himself or some other man? Philip opened his, same, opened his mouth, began at the same scripture, and says he preached Jesus. That's all it says he said. He preached him Jesus. I've heard people through the years, well, you know, Jesus, praise Jesus, love you, Jesus, and all that. That's a bumper sticker. That's a bumper sticker. Now, this is just getting the reader's digest. Philip just, just preached Jesus to him. Now, it says in verse, the very next verse, 36, and they went down the road, and they come to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, aren't you paying attention to what I'm telling you? I'm trying to preach Jesus to you, and you're eyeballing the area, and they're talking about getting baptized. 
you know, quite possibly preaching Jesus has something to do with the gospel we've been sharing that would involve confession, repentance, immersion for the forgiveness of sins, faithful living unto death, a new start, redeemed, blood-bought, purchased possession, rise and walk in the newness of life, putting off the old, putting on the new, giving God glory in your new life. And that's why when the guy saw the water, he said, here's water, what hinders me from being baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. He said, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's the rock of the confession that Peter, Jesus told Peter he would build his whole church on. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into Philip's imagination and this hallucination, and this mirage, and he baptized him. Now, why am I saying that? Why am I make a joke? I've heard people argue against immersion for the forgiveness of sins to where they said, that's not water, H2O water. I go, what are you talking about? They'll go so far as to say, when they were immersed... In Acts 2.38, it wasn't in water. Peter says, the like figure where baptism now saves us, it's the water of the flood of Noah's day. It is H2O. God joined water, blood, and spirit together to make them one. Just read in 1 John chapter 4. Water, blood, and spirit. It's H2O. And you receive the forgiveness of your sin. He's going to put a, a Holy Spirit in an unclean vessel. The baptism, the Bible says, is for the cleansing of that vessel. It's for the forgiveness of your sin. So he put a Holy Spirit in there. The baptism is a vehicle to the gift. He told the woman at the well, if you knew who was talking to you, you'd be asking me. I'd be giving you living water, be a well springing up you into everlasting life. The immersion is to cleanse a vessel so you can get the gift. Peter said, repent and be immersed in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Cleanse that vessel and you receive the gift. That's the power for your life change. That's what they're going to hear from us. Not some little, again, amen to Romans 10. Amen to John 3.16. Read it in the whole context. People will fight you on that to the point it ain't water. And it's two different things. You accept Jesus in your heart flying down the road 80 miles an hour with the hair on fire. Then sometime at some church camp somewhere you get baptized. It's a single verb tense. Water and spirit. Cleanse the vessel, get the gift. I'm just saying. I got more, but I would be in trouble. So we're not going there. Somebody say, well, what if you're in the middle of the desert and you want to be baptized and there's no water, nowhere in the desert, you're telling me if that guy died, then he just has to go to hell. <clears throat> I don't want to bring up, well, what was that guy doing a long time before he found himself crawling around the desert? But, we'll leave that there. I said, simple, all he has to do is crawl over to the Holiday Inn and get baptized in the jacuzzi. They go, where the heck do you get a holiday inn in the middle of the desert? I said, the same place you got the desert. I just made it up. That's just being resistant and argumentative about the simplicity of the gospel. 
which is in Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your attention this morning.